Hey, just a quick reminder to get your Mimnits gift along posts up before the end of the year to be eligible for prizes. I hope you've all had a great holiday season and are looking forward to a great new year. 2018 was trying in so many ways for me, and I'm hoping that I can brush that monkey off my back and get on with a much better year in 2019. This episode's guest is Wooly Wormhead. Knitters will know her as the mistress of all things hats, and we'll be talking about that a bit in this episode, but she's in a really hard place right now being a UK citizen living in Italy. With Brexit coming on, she's had to shift the registration of her business and try to find legal status in a country that's not her own. So let's talk to Willie Wormhead. I'm here with Wooly Wormhead, who is designer extraordinaire of hats. Hello. Hello. Hi. So um, you can you tell me a little bit about how you came to designing hats solely? Like, it's interesting. You've got a, you've picked a very niche product, like, yep. you know, one thing, but you have so much creativity within that. Yeah. Yeah. Hats are just... Um... I don't know if you am I, I've got several backgrounds there's several paths that have kind of led me here yeah. um the first thing I did was I after doing my A-levels and stuff I went off and did an apprenticeship and became electronics engineer mm-hmm. um so there's a lot of kind of if you think about logic gates and systems and working yeah. in binary and other little bits and pieces you know that sits really well with knitting although I'd never made that connection for a long time <laughs> then I yeah I know it's, it's funny if, if for many years after actually kind of doing this job I still didn't tell anybody that I had a background in engineering. I mean, and it was just like, oh, yeah, that works. No, it really so does. I, it does, yeah. Um, so after I left engineering because I got bored, I'm, I've got a bit of a habit of just moving around life and jobs and things because I get bored very easily. Yeah. And so I went and did um, – I started an industrial textiles degree but got bored because I didn't want to be another engineer. Yeah. So then I went on to do a fine art textiles degree at a very kind of um, prestigious art college in London, mm-hmm. um, which was like pretty cool. Yeah, but also very interesting because I, I have a little natural tendency to kind of buck the system. So um, I came up against a few brick walls there, but it was very interesting, good learning experience. Yeah, and then I did a postgrad in education and went to be an art and textiles teacher mm. in schools for eleven to nineteen year olds. Nice. So there's the um, when I was doing my um, my textiles degree my main degree yeah. I specialized in sculptural textiles because I've just I've got really acute spatial awareness and yeah. surface design doesn't really kind of tick my buttons very much yeah, so yeah, yeah. I need to have structure and construction and I need to know how things work and Girl, you know the engine preaching to the choir yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> so it's so, like you know when engineering and 3d form come yeah. together with education they've made this really little happy little thing that I'm in yeah and this is the longest I've ever done anything in my life. Normally, you know, I've managed about two years living somewhere or two years <laughs> doing something before I'm bored and I'm off. Yeah, I totally understand that. I've worked a bunch of jobs and like, you know, as soon as I learn it and the challenge is gone, like I'm kind of bored with it. But the yeah. thing about the knitting designing is that, you know, we can make it as complex or as simple as we need it to be. Exactly. We can set our own challenges. Yeah. So, you know, you've you've set this this bar of working solely in one garment type. Do you find that the that the challenge is still enough? Like, do you know, is it is it better having a restriction? Oh, yeah, for, for me. But I think it's also it's what I've chosen. I mean, I didn't sit out and choose hats. They it it just kind of like came very Happened. organically. Yeah, yeah. Um, but 
when you think about it, hats are the most three-dimensional garment that we can wear. Mm-hmm. They have huge potential to be go off in as many different directions as you want. They just need to fit in one particular circumference, yeah. and then the rest, as long as it's deep enough, yeah. and it's too heavy, and you can actually get it on your head, yeah. then it's then it's cool. You can keep going, and yeah. because of this almost perfectly spherical nature then you've got endless stuff you can do. You can go in so many different directions. You can construct it in so many different ways. And, you know, I've, I've barely dipped my toe in what you can do. And I'll be, <laughs> what, yeah. you know, when you think about it as a, that full 3D form. So I think for me, I think it's a good thing when people specialize in something, but it doesn't have to be one garment or one yeah. item. I think when people's strengths come through, when they learn to specialize, I think it, that happens organically as well. Um, yeah. But I well, think... I think- like, I think narrowing the field sometimes, you know, the field of possibilities can force you to be more creative within well, one area. Absolutely. That's where, that's where I think some of the best stuff really comes out is when yeah. you just hone that down. It's like trying to write a 20 pattern book versus a five pattern book. You don't have to cover everything. You yeah. can just focus and make that the, re- the really strong thing. Yeah. And how? Ha- Hats do that. For that, hats, that that combined as a single item is just what keeps what's keeping me going. I've been doing it 13 years. <laughs> so just like, you know, th- there's so much more I can keep doing. I don't think I'm going to run out of ideas. And No, well. For somebody like me that gets bored very easily, who's chopping and changing in their head all the time, that's like, that's um, a really good thing. Yeah, your hats are really fun to knit. Um, Have you knit some? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> did, you runway? did you knit runway? I did knit runway. Love that hat. Because, well, you know, because I love knitting fine, fine weight yarns. I don't like yeah. knitting anything, you know, bulkier than like a DK very frequently. You know, occasionally I get a wild hair that I'm like, oh, yes, I need something bulky. But most of the time I'm like fingering weight. Give me all the fingering weight, <laughs> you know. And it was it was rare to find a hat that I thought was, you know, interesting that was also fingering weight. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I was like, oh, sweet. <laughs> I'm going to do this. And I just, I, you know, I follow you and I watch all of your, uh, you know, all of your patterns coming out. And they're just phenomenal and really interesting. And I look at them and I go, oh, God, that's fascinating. Because I'm also an architectural knitter. Yep, yep, yep. You do see it, don't you? You see it in others. You look around and think, yeah, that's definitely my kind of thing. And yeah. you look at the structure and the knitting and you see it. Yes. Like it twangs that little string inside you that goes, yeah. ooh, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, what are you working on these days? Ooh, um, I'm trying to just keep it to one collection at a time at the moment because otherwise I'm going to trip over myself. Yeah. I'm working on i've almost finished a collection well it's in the probably since we're talking about it probably will be out okay cool so tell me all about it it is a collection of sideways hats that are sideways with no short rows but they have short row color work in them because i can because (laughs) yeah because they emphasize the structure yeah so you've got what looks like some of, the, some of them are very organic forms or some things that, that work, works really nicely with short row color work because you get these lovely organic leaf forms come out mm-hmm. um, but you can also can control line really well and I've got lots of um, details of line traveling across the surface so one nice. of them has got a line that starts at the brim at the center front and traverses all the way across continuously up to the crown and then back down to the center oh, back and cool. it's like so this is what this construction can do it's yeah. kind of like it's um so uh, for people who have never knit a sideways hat, traditionally a sideways hat is knit with short rows so that basically you're making wedges and you yes. have, you have you know, so many wedges to go all the way around the hat so that the, mm-hmm. 
the short row section is near the crown so that you end up with, um, you know, with a crown that's shaped. But so these, you say, don't have shaping short rows in. They have detail short rows for the for the uh, contrast the bits. Yeah, for yeah. the color work, but not with short not rows for shaping. For shaping. No. That's interesting. I mean, it's, a regular sideways, the more familiar method of, of working yeah. sideways is where you turn, basically when you turn decreases and increases through 90 degrees, they become short rows. Uh-huh. So that's, yeah, that's how your shaping is normally done on that bit there. That, I don't know if that helped anybody visualize what's doing because I, I, I'm sitting there turning it around in my head, but not yeah. everybody can see that. Well, that's cool. We'll put, we'll put lots of links and stuff in the show notes yeah. so people can see the patterns. <laughs> but yes, these ones are, they're still sideways, but they actually have increases and decreases for the shaping. Yeah. So um, looking at them, if anybody's knit the, um, the fiber trends, like, uh, what are the like felted clogs? Mm-hmm. Like it, it looks. It's kind of that like the sole part where where you've got you know a center piece, whether it's a cast on or you know like a double sided cast on or something. Mm-hmm. But like so, it's kind of making an arc. Yes. I realize this is really hard to visualize, and I've put photos of the hats and sideways hats in general into the show notes. But for those who are just listening, let me try to break this down. If you think about a sewn hat, it's usually a tube with some wedges of fabric taken out at the top to close the crown of the hat and let it shape around the top of your head. So when you're knitting a hat traditionally, you start with a tube and you remove this extra bulk at the crown with decreases to close the top. So now if you rotate that hat 90 degrees and think about knitting it with rows that go all the way from the brim to the center crown, you would need to use short rows to decrease the bulk at the top of the head, right? So Wooly has been playing with using the short rows in motif and not in shaping to shape the hat with patterns like Cora and Toaf in her elemental collection. But this new construction in the Lateralis collection goes a step farther. It starts with a double-sided cast-on, which we'll talk about in a minute, that sits along one side of the hat, and then she uses increases in the middle to make each row longer and the arch around that double-sided cast-on even bigger until you reach the crown of the hat. This would be like if you took a whole hat and sliced it in half from crown to brim. That's the half of the hat that just uses increases. And then she uses decreases to create the other side of the hat, grafting together the final stitches to perfectly mimic the two-sided cast-on at the start. So the whole hat is created with a series of arches that stack, getting progressively longer to the crown and then shorter till the whole hat is knit. Are you starting with like a Judy's Magic cast on or like a no. figure cast on or something? No. I'm starting with a winding cast on, which is one that I only, I only recently discovered it. And you know what it is? It's fantastic. It's actually the true opposite of a graft. Oh, that's And cool. I love it. So basically the same principles apply. So when, you, when you're say, grafting, it replaces a, a one uh, row of actual knitting yeah. or has two pattern rows. Yep. The winding cast on is exactly the same, oh, but in reverse. Cool. So you can match them and have it completely seamless and have them opposite each other. So yeah, that's, that's awesome. It's, um, and that means having it like that, because I was when I originally had this idea, this is an idea that's been brewing for a few years, mm-hmm. <laughs> the construction at least anyway. And yeah. I kept trying to work out how I was going to make this thing without having a huge line of grafting, because I didn't want everybody to hate me yeah. if you're grafting, you know. That's fair. Because when, when, the way it's constructed, the center runs from ear to ear. So basically you're grafting two lengths of the hat in one go, which is a lot. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's... 
I I find grafting very zen, but not everyone does. <laughs> no, I know. I, I mean, I do. I love it. And I can wax lyrical about it for hours, as right. anybody that's attended my workshops will know. But yes, I don't want to kind of overdo that in a in a yeah. simple beanie pattern. Yeah. Really. Or not a simple beanie, but you know what I'm saying. It's, not, yeah, it's a small like, item. You don't want that much graft. Yeah. And there's a, you're also you're already challenging people's spatial reasoning with the with the structure itself. And so like there's there's only so much challenge you should put into a pattern without making people really angry. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. But this is like hats as well. You know, you can get away with putting bits in here and there. So it's okay. But yeah, this is what I I was investigating this and thinking like, how can I do this? And also mirroring increases and decreases. Mm -hmm. I decided to work out what the best effect was. And then I realized that I've I don't know if I'd stumbled across this cast on before or whether I recently found it. I obviously re-found it again. I suddenly yeah. went, hang on, let me try that. And I looked at it and it was the exact opposite of a graph. And I just thought, sorted. That's that's, that's just awesome. exactly what I need. It's often used as a provisional cast on. But okay. if you use it as a permanent cast on, it's um, a true graft in that's reverse. wonderful. Love it. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited to try it. <laughs> uh, so another thing about hats is that mm-hmm. I think like hats are a low investment way to learn new techniques. Absolutely. Which is another thing I love about your work that like, you know, you'll throw like it's a hat, you know, like runway is a relatively simple hat. That's, you know, the first one I knit of yours. And, mm-hmm. um, and it's, but like you start it with an alternating knit pearl cable cast on. Mm-hmm. because it looks better and it's fun and you know so like i had never done i knew that he existed but i'd never actually like worked an alternating knit pearl cable cast on um and it's you know, really easy yeah, yeah it's really easy but like you know it's just one more thing that you know i got from knitting that hat besides a great hat I think it's, it's an extra technique. Yeah, yeah. That's feedback that comes back quite a lot. Is that a lot of people, apart from the people, maths and engineers, that just kind of they see the structure in the end, the maths and engineering in it. Yeah. The next biggest feedback that I get from patterns is that people just learn and it's they really enjoy taking away that one technique, using it often in a different context yeah. um, than what they might be. The technique might be used in, in other ways, mm-hmm. and see, and sometimes seeing it used in a different way helps you understand how it works a lot more as well. Yeah, and that's what people say. They're just that you know they learn that little you know that that new technique that just sparked a thing. Yeah, well, and like you know, if you're talking about knitting a sweater with a tubular cast on, like that's a lot of work. Yeah, you know? exactly. It's yeah. a lot of work to learn the new technique. I think that the hat palette gives them gives knitters a much easier you know, lower barrier to entry to learning mm-hmm. these techniques. And, you know, like it's usually a one skein project because it's mm-hmm. a hat, you know, <laughs> and, you know, or use up scraps and leftovers or, exactly, you know, there's yeah. it's I don't know. I, I think it's a really it's a really great canvas. Yes, absolutely. It is. It's a perfect canvas. It's a perfect three dimensional canvas. Yeah. Well, and it really, you know, it makes a difference like hat fit is interesting too which i think you're Mm -hmm. a master at um (laughs) because one size does not fit all no it doesn't oh that's how to get my rage that one is (laughs) yeah because because you know there are different sizes of heads even between me and my spouse like you know Mm -hmm. he's got a giant head (laughs) compared to mine like you know mine's like a 22 inch head his is like a 30 inch head and i'm like how does that even happen (laughs) so you know there's but there's uh you know, one size does not fit all, but it makes a huge difference in how you like the finished hat, whether it yes. fits you properly. 
Yes, yes. I've knit so many hats that I'm like, oh, God, this I'm never going to wear this again. Like, because I washed it to wash and block it, and suddenly it doesn't fit anymore. Mm -hmm. You know? (laughs) It's just not fun. No, it's not. I actually don't wear hats much. That's really funny. (laughs) It's like the cobbler's children. (laughs) You know, the cobbler's children don't have shoes. <laughs> yeah, well, Tom, Tom and Aaron have lots of hats. Oh, yeah, they, they have, have lots of hats. Hat. But... Yeah, they do. I just don't, That's I don't know. Funny. I mean, I, I do wear a hat, but it's a plain black kind of beanie because yeah. I'm quite minimalist in that yeah. kind of, in clothing. I just, I see them as little sculptures. I practice yeah. form and technique and color on them. They're not, Yeah. they're not for me to wear. Yeah, that's They're fair. for me to play with. Yeah, yeah it works. Mm-hmm. So uh, tell me about Mutonia. More Mutonia. Okay. Uh, Mutonia is um, an artistic community in Italy. Um, It was formed, well, it wasn't formed in a, uh, it it grew organically. It was from um, the Mutoid Waste Company that used to be a traveling um, artist and performance group. Okay. Um, And there are fractions of the Mutoids in Italy. There were some in Germany. There's some in the UK. Mm. I mean, Joe Rush in the UK is one of the most famous mutoids, although he's kind of distanced a little bit from them. And so it's a kind of like, I mean, the traveling group and the performing arts group, they're they're like big families. And so they spread. Um, But yes, the group that settled in Italy and they settled and all the people that were there originally are not there anymore. Some people stayed. Some people have come on. I'm I'm relatively new. I've been Mm -hmm. part of the community for about um, 10 years. Yeah. And everybody makes their own homes. Everybody builds their own thing. It's um, most people are on low incomes because they are living from their, um, from their income. From great, yeah, they're living from their art, which, as we know, is not uh, <laughs> particularly uh, substantial. No. And but the thing is, living as we do means that we can afford to do that because yeah. we. I mean, we're not interested in having all the material trimmings. I mean, I'm in my late 40s now. I would like an indoor bathroom. So that's my <laughs> that's my next thing on my list. That's but fair. at least our bathroom is ours and we don't share it. So, yeah, and, yeah. you know, and it's it's relatively modern and stuff. But most, I mean, a, a lot of people make their homes out of recycled materials. They get scrap. That's what they make their artwork from. Yeah. So we've got people that specialize in um, scrap metal sculptures, some people in plastic. Um, there's also, so we've got musicians on sites as well. We've got nice. some painters and... Um, and you, yeah. a textile it's, sculpture artist. Yes. There's no other textile people on site. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I don't think, I mean, I think it's because of the way that it just kind of grew and the people that were originally working yeah. and performing just you know the same kind of people kind of who were into the same kind of things came in i came in because my partner tom yeah. was one of the original kind of group that came to italy mm-hmm. however long ago so he's he's had a him and his family have had a plot on site for since almost the beginning of mutonia nice. so i came in with him so you're in a really interesting and kind of horrible position right now um yes. you you are a uk citizen yes but UK resident. Live, yeah, UK resident. You live in in Italy with this traveler group. Yes. Um, and travelers, for people who are not familiar, can you describe what travelers are? Okay. We are technically, we would be classified as new travelers, which fall under the umbrella, same umbrella as other traveling groups like Romani and yeah. Sunti, that kind of stuff. We're not we don't have the same history it's not it's not like a protected ethnic group like romani are it's it's getting that way in the uk okay um 
in certain situations in school, for instance, I mean, Aaron is technically third gen, so, yeah. um, but it's not recognised in the same way because it's much more cultural rather than um, yeah, than ethnic. Yes, like Romani. Okay. Um, so it's most people that live this way choose to. Yeah. Although once you're in it, trying to go back into society is really hard. I would imagine so. Because it's just kind of the whole. We don't have. We don't have. We have our plot boundaries. We know how much space we have. But if people want to kind of take a little bit of extra from the neighbour, they just talk to the neighbour. We don't own the land. There aren't yeah. fences. There aren't gates. There aren't visible signs of boundaries. And people that come and visit us don't always – they struggle sometimes with it because they yeah. don't see the boundaries. So some people don't see the boundaries and therefore they, they, they'll walk in your front door because they've not yeah. had that clue. Yeah. Other people stand there trying to work out whether they're allowed to go in or where they're allowed <laughs> to go. And some people actually understand that there are some private areas or some public areas because, you know, they, they kind of see that yeah. – that, extra layers underneath um so it's it's well just like with everything else don't be a dick maybe ask yes exactly i mean excuse me can i can i see your house like you know (laughs) knock on the door somebody will say yes or no (laughs) for some doors don't actually look like doors yeah (laughs) you know it's it's, it's like but yes so we're, we're in this i mean i don't live there full time I do still spend quite a bit of time in the UK I do because my residency is here so um and I've worked hard for me to maintain that residency yeah um but even still I wouldn't necessarily lose it because we don't have a civic number we don't have a domestic address so normally when you're you move you would move your residency to a new house but we're not in a house and we don't have a civic number so even if the UK sort of said to me you spent too much time at the UK they can't say you've been there because we don't have an address we don't have an address yeah yes we don't We've made one up that the post office <laughs> local couriers kind of accept, but yeah. it's actually not But it's official. not it's an not official big. address. And so no. your residency is in this weird limbo. It is because, woohoo, Brexit. Oh, I am. God, um, Brexit. Okay. Yeah, so let's talk about this. So Brexit... <laughs> You know, yeah, Brexit yeah. has, for people, like, I'm I'm an Anglophile, so, like, I, you know, I follow, like, I watch BBC News. Like, I'm, you know, I know what's going on with Brexit. But for people who are not, Brexit was a vote that was ill-formed um, and and basically asked, you know, UK citizens if they wanted to leave the European Union. And the problem is that there are a lot of people, including yourself, who are UK citizens who are living in the EU as UK citizens, uh-huh. and it's fine when everybody's part of the European Union. Well, then when we're not, exactly. But and... when you're not, then you're stuck being, like, what? Are you expats at that point? Like, do you... No, I, I, I don't... you can't... You probably won't, because, because of the way, like, because of being a traveler and because of being, you know, at, not at a fixed address, you mm-hmm. probably can't get Italian citizenship. Um... Or do you not want to get Italian citizenship? No, we do. If it was available to us, we would. Okay, um, but it's not really available. Well, <laughs> <laughs> this is the limbo. This, this is the limbo. And it's also limbo dealing with UK law and Italian law. I mean, the rumors that most people hear about Italian law are kind of fairly accurate. They do like their bureaucracy. There's loads of red red tape everywhere. Mm. Um, and we've kind of... We don't have a civic number, so technically we can't get residency, and it's never been an issue because we've always used our freedom of movement rights, which yes. is one thing that is actually one of the best things that's ever come out of the EU, the freedom, the rights to go and live yes. and work in another country for up to three months, then work out what you want to do. You don't need to get your visas or a job sorted first. You can go and see if it's your thing. Yeah. It allows people that don't have the money and the privilege to travel to travel. Yeah. But a, it was actually one of the the turning points in the vote is that a lot of people don't understand what the EU is. It's actually yeah. m- 
it's gets a really bad press in the UK and people conflate freedom of movement with migration and they're not the same things. No. Freedom of movement can lead to my migration, but it also means that actually I've done my three months here. I don't like it. I want to go. And you haven't yeah. spent all the money on visas and all the other bits and pieces. Yeah. That's it. Um, well, and so, you could spend three months like traveling all across the EU without having to have visas for every single country that you go to. Absolutely. Like. Absolutely. There's a whole bunch of good things that came out of the EU. Yeah, but. yeah, it's been an amazing thing. So without our freedom of movement rights, we're in a really, really sticky position. We would, yeah. if the UK leaves the EU with a no deal and we've not been able to secure residency, we will be illegals overnight because oh, no. we don't have residency. There's that. In fact, even with residency, because leaving without a deal means that all the current agreements are null and void, yeah. it means that even people that have residency could become illegals overnight. Oh, God. Let's talk for a minute about the, air quotes, Brexit deal. If the UK leaves the EU without any deal, then all trade deals with countries in the EU, all travel between them, and all existing EU treaties will not apply to the UK and its citizens. So if the UK leaves the EU without a deal, then Woolley and her family are essentially living without work visas, tourist visas, or any legal protection in a foreign country. The ramifications of leaving the EU without a deal is complex and far-reaching. This is essentially like a super complicated divorce. If the UK can't get a deal in place, it's essentially getting kicked out of the house with nothing but the clothes on its back. No visitation rights to kids and pets, with the locks changed and giant gate put up around the house. For businesses in the UK, this means that supplies that allowed them to function can't be imported from the EU. The workers who are residents of other countries are now illegal aliens within the UK. Without having the trade deals in place and import-export laws sorted, the ports could be clogged, leading to shipping delays all over the world. For UK companies that serve the EU market, that means that they're jumping ship. They're trying to minimize the impact of Brexit, so they're moving factories and headquarters to the EU, taking jobs and revenue with them. The uncertainty of what a deal might look like, and even whether or not there will be a deal, is impacting people and businesses all over the UK, with broader ramifications all over the world. And with a deadline for Brexit of March 29th, the pressure is really high. But at least if we get residency, we'll at least be in the same boat as all the other. I don't. I don't refer to myself as an expat. I'm a. I'm a migrant. Um, yeah. I don't. Expat is um, a term that the British seem to like, and it's something yeah, that they do. <laughs> um, you know, it's a way of separating us from them, which is it's really pisses me off. As I'm a. I'm That's an immigrant. Um, I'm yeah. an immigrant. Okay, I'm a British immigrant, but I'm and I'm white, but I'm an immigrant all the same. Yeah. And, so at least if I if we can get residency, we we will have at least been the same boat as everybody else, and we yeah. will then be able to look at what's happening in the law and the changes, and know that that applies to us rather than us keep sitting there going, what the yeah. what does that mean, and how does it apply to us? Because we've got no idea. Yeah. Now, well, so this is this is a bit of privilege that like I think a lot of people miss that having a clear citizenship, being a citizen of the country in which you live, gives you a lot of rights that they don't even think about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I'm, I was born in the US, I am a US citizen, I live in the US. Like, if you are a citizen of a different country, living somewhere, there's always that looming specter of you could be deported at any moment. Yeah, you don't get full voting rights or anything either. It's just, yeah. Like there's there's a lot of privilege that goes with being, you know, having a clear citizenship and a clear residency. Yes, that there is. I think a lot of people aren't don't understand, which is honestly why we're having this conversation. Yeah, I mean, it's I think a lot of people have just 
I don't know. I've spoken to people why they voted for this, and I know a lot of our family did on both sides, and it hurts a lot because of that. Yeah. It is very hard. Well, and like, you um, know, there's there's so much informed voting that I wish would happen, but like, and the, yeah, I know. But the uninformed is just kind of it's soul destroying. It, it yeah, people have not considered that this would affect people besides them. You know, people that they know and interact with every day. Like, you know, I'm sure that I know and interact with people who are illegal immigrants every day. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't go around asking people's immigrant status, but no. they're terrified. Yes, yes. Given the current yeah. political climate. Yeah, it is. It's it's, And like, they can't plan for their futures. No, they can't. Come on. you're constantly in limbo all the time. You're constantly yeah. waiting for somebody else to decide what happens to your future, no matter how hard you're working or what you are doing. Yeah. You can't. It, you're locked into that um, yeah. and to a certain extent I can understand why people kind of like stick their heads in the sands about it because they're just trying to get on and it really screws your head up yeah. um, and I can, so I can understand that to some extent I know a lot of people get angry with people that just kind of there's a lot of Brits I know that aren't for instance doing perhaps some of the things they should be but I'm not angry at them because they didn't they didn't invite this situation for a start yeah. and they are also trying to not get into the head mess that this, yeah. this brings you know they're just it's trying to do day to day stuff it's incredible yeah. amount of stress and people are just trying to do day to day you know these yeah. people that don't have a lot of money um, they don't have a lot of choices about where they are because none of us none of us on site have money if, yeah. if if our community goes which i mean a little bit of background here is that um our community. We always, we almost lost the community. Yes, there is one person in the in the local area, one person who has for what it's got to be eighteen years now, if not longer, been trying to get rid of us, and he's invested well over a hundred thousand euros in this. Oh God! He just keeps he. Like, why? How would how would that much like? hate and being anti anything be good for you no it can't be i mean even his family are against him on this they're trying to like leave him alone there is a man obsessed and we don't know his reasons and there's been a few other bits been going on that that i can't talk about at the moment because obviously there's other legal proceedings going on because obviously you know we won um he he managed to find a way to get through loopholes well, it's Italian law, you know, if you do a pocket yeah. deep enough and you, there's always you find loopholes, loopholes yes. for everything. Yeah. I mean, they're brilliant at kind of try, trying to cover up a loophole, but only by doing so they create another one, you know, it's, yeah. just, <laughs> it's just simplify the law, not complicate it. But anyway, so he basically <laughs> found a way to um, get, because we have, we've always had an agreement in place. We've been there with the council's permission. Yeah. Um, we've had the permission of the local community. They really support us. Um we're all integrated. I mean, I, my Italian's pretty poor, but, you know, Aaron goes to school. Yeah. Tom does work with, you know, worked on projects that work with the council for sculptures going yeah. into town, that kind of stuff. And we have events and we have people come around. You know, we're not some outside yeah. little group that doesn't do have any integration with their community. Yeah, you're part yeah. of the community. Exactly. And you're working hard to be part of the community. Absolutely. Um, so he'd, this, this neighbor had found a way to kind of get through all the, the legal tangles. And basically, he actually was threatening to sue the council if they didn't do because he'd found some information that basically gave him permission to kind of gave him a clear path ahead to service oh. with a 100% demolition order and that was a lot of work a lot of money a lot of effort and we won and yeah. communities like us don't win you know yeah the amount of sites that I know of that people have been on especially in the UK and other parts of Europe they get closed down they, they go because there's there is a big prejudice against travelers and people like ourselves. Yeah. And, um, so, you know, well, we've worked that, hard. It's that in- whole other, you know, like people without understanding the other, 
instinctively like I, I know that it's you know like evolutionary and ing- evolutionarily ingrained in us to mm-hmm. like be suspicious of the other and you know that's something we have to fight against and mm-hmm. fight against it with knowledge yes yes because you know like when you hear what you do like when people are hear what you do and understand like that you know the traveler lifestyle and understand um you know, understand like the legal struggles and the lack of privilege for citizenship that you have. Like it's hard, but you mm. choose to do this life because it's creative and it's fulfilling. It's fulfilling in so many ways. I mean, my son is bilingual and he works in a community where he's got different people of different nations, different ages, mm-hmm. and he can communicate with them and spend time with them. He has no he has no back gate that or a road nearby. He's free yeah. to run around. He can go to the river with his mates and play. And, you know, he is watching people create all day long. So he yeah. can weld now. Tom's taught him to weld and he's that's got his awesome. own toolkit. And, you know, and it's just like you're learning a life that's about making and creating and not about consumption. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's yeah. 10, so he's still got that element in him. No, so we're just like, <laughs> well, and that's the thing, like, you know, and there's no there's nothing wrong with with you know still having some consumption in your life like but it's 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 about balance and it's about finding something that makes you happy and makes you feel fulfilled exactly being conscious of it yeah if if buying a bunch of sports cars makes you feel fulfilled then cool do it you know like that's (laughs) it's it's you know conspicuous consumption but like if that if that's what you want to do you're welcome to do it Mm. you know but like I think that that we need to understand that there's space for everyone. Yes, there, there does need to be. And and I often kind of find myself kind of like hit my head against the wall to explain to people how we live because yeah. we don't have a lot of those materials because our values are in different places. Yeah. And there's not enough of people living like us. They, they, you know, I, I want to always, people say, oh, yeah, you had the choice. It's like, yeah, but you can do that. You know, it's actually yeah. selling everything that you have will be put you in a really kind of good position to live like this, to live more simply. You can do it. You just, but it's hard to kind of. It's hard to make the transition. It is hard to make the transition. I, I mean, I've found it easy, but I'm somebody that gets bored after two two years of doing something. Anyway, yeah. I was kind of like, yeah. let's go. That's fine. I'm going in. I'm going to live in a bus. That's fine. It's no problem. It's, you know, but I know for other people it's harder, but it's doable. It's not outside of anybody's reach. Yeah. But it is outside, I think, of a lot of people's comfort zones. And I think that's yeah. why people struggle to see it because they can't visualize themselves doing it. And they wonder, yeah, why would you true. want to do that? It's like, well, actually, you know. There's lots know, of benefit. Yeah. We're outside. We get fresh air. You know, my son yeah. is free. He's got like, he just for him alone, I know it was the best choice to make. Just yeah. to see the way that he is free to do these. I mean, he hates coming here because he's got doors and fences and he can't just wander outside and, and see who's about because people yeah. around here are not trusting like that, you know. Yeah. Oh, you're in the UK at, as we Yeah, speak. we are in the UK at the moment. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. <laughs> to <I> move. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so it's worth it for him. But it's 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 a very fragile lifestyle purely because of other people's prejudice. Yeah. You're in a weird, interesting space because, like, you know, you present as a, like, normal, like, cisgendered, uh, you know, like, white woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just, it's like, you're, you're in, <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Like, you're, you're encapsulated, like, example of how you can't assume anything about anybody. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, you look, you look like a, you know, white British woman. <laughs> So I try hard not to, you know. No, no. I mean, like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you've got, yeah, you've got an interesting, exactly like, artist you. style and all yeah. that stuff. But yeah. it's, do you know what I mean? Like, there's, 
if if somebody just saw you, they'd be like, okay, UK citizen, mm-hmm. but you're in this weird limbo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 it could potentially get worse. So that we when we we won our court case, we won our right to stay there and for our yeah. community, which was a really valuable thing, not just for us but for other communities like it. Yeah. But, it's a precedent. This, it's a legal precedent. Yeah. Well, no, it was, we made legal history in Italy, which is just mm-hmm. amazing. Um, but if Brexit goes through without no deal, and there's going to be a lot of people who have their migration status in question, yeah, it's going to just gonna provide be in a really this. hard place. And the and the neighbour, the one person that just doesn't want to there, he's got so much ammunition there. Yeah. We could. It's not just us that. Um, yeah, it, it'll put it you could in be a the community. It could be. I mean, we don't know. Again, it's because we don't know. I mean, you well, know, that's the thing. Like Brexit was so badly planned. Like they just did a vote, and <laughs> then and then you know everybody's left like holding this bag of shit. Yes, basically, yeah. Because um, because there wasn't any plan in place. Nobody, you know, like the the vote was. Was the vote close or was the vote really... It was really... very close. It was very yeah, close. that's what I thought. So, like, it was a very close vote, but nobody had made a plan. And then like, you know, there were deadlines imposed because of the vote. But then like nobody has a solid plan of what to do. And there's so many ramifications that were not even considered. Yeah. Yep. Nobody had any idea what was going to happen. They just the one. The only thing that was going to be guaranteed from the vote is if people voted Remain. If Remain had won, nothing was going to change. Nothing would have changed. Yep. And and although things would have changed because if you want, I mean, the EU isn't perfect. You know, no. nothing's perfect. Well, but but nothing, would, make, nothing would have changed without the regular bureaucratic process of the EU. Yes, but if you want to make the change within the EU, you don't come from the outside bludging in, telling them to what to do. You get on the yeah. inside and you collaborate and you work with it. Yeah. You know, and it's. Uh, I mean, British are very good at. Different Biden well, and the EU is not perfect, but but like, you know, people people didn't consider the fuckery mm. that was going to come through. I think because people don't realise just how much the EU does, how we are integrated. I mean, yeah, food controls, oh, yeah. everything. You know, there's so much, and it's really really funny because well, it's funny in a not ha ha way. It's just kind yeah, of great, yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, the amount of laws that are still coming through now that the current government are claiming victory for, they're all EU directives, but they, they do not yeah. say this has come from EU law. No. And it's just kind of like all of these things, all of these benefits that you have, you know, have the majority of them have, have been... come from EU membership. Yeah. Yep. Because, you know, we're, we're Britain and we've got a Tory government in power and, you know, and, you yeah. know, it's... They're not going to look after the little guy. <laughs> you no, know? they're not. Um, and it's you know it's, it's the equivalent. Well, it's I guess it's not quite as right wing as as like the Republican Party in the U.S. right now, but it's still pretty. It. Yeah, it's still pretty bad. Yeah, not bad. Sorry for because I want to be even and like I'm very much a Democrat and an activist and like you know kind of socialist, but um, it's it's definitely. It's not quite as far right wing as as Republicans in the U.S., but it's pretty close. It's certainly leaning that way. I mean, it feels like they're dialing this back decades. Yeah. It's it's I. I mean, we're going to apply for residency in Italy because we've there Italian residency there. law. 
We've got roots there. I mean, you know, I'm not there permanently, but I'm, yeah. I'm making a permanent move is not going to be difficult for me to talk because that's where I feel like home is. I mean, yeah. home for me isn't normally a place. It's a kind of surrounding of things and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could recreate that home in Portugal and probably just as happy. Well, miss- and like, yeah, if you moved, like, so you live in a double-decker bus. If you, you moved that bus to somewhere else, that would feel like home. Like, yeah, and, and built, you know, built an artist community around it. Yes. Uh, home is where the bed is. Yeah. Yeah. And the, um, and the cats and the... And the cats, yeah. And I the don't spouse know. and the child. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's not a spouse yet, though. Although oh, by this partner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Things. Yeah, but I mean... Well, that's another thing. Like, you know, like if somebody like saw your family, they would assume you're married, but you don't have the rights of a married person. No. You know, like you have... It's... Uh, anyway. <laughs> Since we recorded this, Wooly and Tom have actually gotten married as part of trying to Brexit-proof their lives. So congrats to both of them. Yeah, so we've, we've Italian residency law is very, very interesting, um, as most Italian laws are, really. I mean, they are kind yeah. of... Um, They're really interesting. They are. Some of them are really interesting. Some of them are just kind of, what the fuck? And it's just, it's really... When, <laughs> when it's not your native law and you've not grown up with it, it's really kind of... Baffling? Yeah. It baffling, but it gives you a really different perspective, an interesting perspective on on what people are living with and how yeah. cultures formed and stuff. I, I mean, I find it interesting, even though it hurts my brain a lot. But it's <laughs> but it's um, when like in the UK, for instance, in, when you move house, you yeah. kind of move your brain branch of your bank and you start paying your you know you register at the council for your votes or whatever. Your residency automatically moves with you. Okay. Um, in oh, that's under current under current EU. Law. No, that's, that's the UK. No, this oh, is just the UK. UK. Okay, the government is centralised. It's, it's national. Okay, yeah. So you don't need to worry so about. You're saying like like me. when you move, like your voter registration shifts with you. All the with the UK. Yes, within the UK. So that's yeah. how residency law works. When in Italy, when you move, you have to reapply for your residency. You have to formally move your that's residence. Interesting. Not just like notify somebody of the change of address, but you actually have to like apply for change of residency. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know whether or not there's a possibility to be rejection for it, but there certainly is a bureaucratic process. Yeah, and an application and process. There's a cost to it as well because there's a bureaucratic process for everything and a cost for yes. everything. Um, so. Um, because of that, because because government is um, localized and regional in Italy, yeah. you have to to be able to know the way you're paying your relevant parts of your tax for your national health service. So, mm-hmm. if you didn't move your residency and you were say like in Tuscany and you come to move in Rimini, you wouldn't necessarily be in hot water for that. Like, you know, I don't know if you. Yeah, but like before, like but your you, your healthcare stuff would still you, be back in Tuscany. in Tuscany. You wouldn't be able to go to the local doctor and that kind of stuff. So oh, you. God. And, and also, you are meant to move because of, uh, you know, your voting rights and other bits and pieces. You are meant to do it. There are some people, yeah. like, um, who don't move the residency, but most people do. And yeah. so, because of that requirement, there are Italians on site that have got residency, mm-hmm. even though we don't have an address. Yeah. And it's starting to look like the requirement to have residency kind of trumps the requirements for residency. Oh, Interesting. That's what it's looking like to us. We kind of think, I mean, the local council, it's the commune is what you call it in Italy. The commune yeah. have put a lot of effort into keeping us here. They've, they've fought really outside from day one. Um, awesome. And so I suspect that they will do what they can to help yeah, us stay. To help you. It's in their interest too. Well, and, but the thing is, like, they can't make any plans until you know what the UK is going to do, whether no, they're going to build a deal or not. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is the same for all of the EU27. They're just kind yes. of like, I mean, the EU27 put forward a proposal right at the very beginning in the UK, and Theresa May 
specifically said no. And people are kind of like, right, oh, the EU got to make up their mind. It's kind of like they did at the beginning and you said no. And people yeah. don't know that. I think the paper was published like six weeks after the vote or something and the yeah. Tory just went no. And they've used, you know, migrants, the EU27 in the UK and the and the Brits in, in the EU27 as as pawns with chips in the game. Yeah. Um, so And so the, the 27 are just kind of like, well, they don't know what to do because they had a plan. Um, yeah, but the UK said no. Yes, and so now they've got to try and work out what they're going to do. And it's more than likely that they'll just fall on existing migration law for non-EU countries, for third yeah. countries. But you're still talking about hypotheticals. And you, so yes. you're... Yes. It's, yeah, you're, you're hoping that that's where they'll land. Well, but, even if they land there, I mean, we're, we're, we're going to be so... No, you still have work to do and you still have stuff that you have to get through, but... Worse off, whichever way it's, it happens, even yeah. just to default yeah. to that status, it, it's going to cost us money and time and we'd lose... At the minute, we, I don't know, we'd have to speak to an immigration lawyer in Italy, um, but I think we may well... In the UK, you can have acquired yeah. rights if you've lived somewhere for long enough. So we may have acquired rights in Italy because Aaron goes to school. We've been sued, you know? <laughs> yeah. You're like, you're, you've, you've been, you know involved in in court proceedings and like you know the council clearly accepts you so like if if it came down to it you could get like you know letters of recommendation from your local council that say yes like we want them here but oh i mean i mean yeah evidence of having a life there so that may well contribute a chunk but it's it's the not knowing that not knowing is exhausting i mean also it's and within the eu if we've got permanent residence of four years we'd yeah be able to apply for citizenship but outside of yeah. the eu it's 10 years minimum so it then means and the fees are different as well so that then means that we've we time is a yeah. new game as is extra money and all of that you know i mean if we'd have been able to get residency sooner, I don't know if we'd have taken it sooner, to be honest with you, just because it's such a, a yeah. ball ache with all the bureaucracy. It's unbelievable. And that's just the residency. So, you know, if we don't have to do it, yeah. why should you, know, if you don't need to, you don't. Yeah. It's going to cost you space and time. Um, but it may well be that if by staying within you that we could yeah. actually get our citizenship sooner. Well, of course, it's not that's that's probably not going to happen now. So we're actually not going to have is, and it will affect my business. I'm not going to be able to go and travel in other areas of the EU without a yeah, right. Yeah, well, that's a, another thing. Like traveling to teach, you know, you have to be careful about how long you spend in other places. You know, whether or not you need a visa to go to those places to teach. Like it's there's a lot of drama involved. Yes, absolutely. So all of that could be up. I mean, I'm having some time off from teaching anyway because yeah. I need to look after my shoulders and my health generally. And stand still for a little while. And for somebody that always moves around a lot, That's I actually fair. just want to stand still for a while right now. And I think it's just because we've had so much thrown at us over the last few well, years. Well, it's, it's a retrenchment. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like you've, you've got so much mental space being taken up by the worry and the and like all the planning and all the possibilities. Like there's a whole web of possibilities that might happen that you're trying to plan for. But there's only so mm -hmm. much headspace you can give to that without like losing mm -hmm. your shit so <laughs> you know like it's oh yeah i mean some good things are coming out of it i'm trying to turn and spin the positives yes. that you know we choose italy yeah. over the uk that's there's no question about that and i've made some changes to my business yeah. which i might not have done otherwise um because there's it's a big leap and there's yeah. to get more admin and stuff to do but actually it could be a really really positive thing because i mean yeah so previously um, your business was registered in the uk yes yes as a, as a sole trader it's a status that the yeah. uk alone seem to have is that me and my business are the same thing no um, so uh the u.s has one too i'm a sole proprietorship by the end of the year i'm going to be an llc but um but like 
Yeah, it's the U.S. has it as well. So it's it's basically like saying that you know okay. I am the business, and like instead of having a separate tax number here, mm-hmm. you can use your social security number. You know stuff like that. So it's yeah, it's the same thing. Okay, as right, a sole yeah. proprietorship. Yeah, yeah. So it's pretty much the same thing then. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's what I am. But so you're you're re-registering your business in Estonia now. Yes, yeah. I mean, um, what is basically done now really? Um, it's Estonia are kind of like. They're actually kind of considered the kind of like um, Silicon Valley of Europe. Yes. I mean, so many startups. Skype started in Estonia, actually. Yeah, I learned awesome. recently. I didn't know that. We're talking um, Skype right now for anybody yeah. curious. <laughs> <laughs> so it's actually, um, they're very progressive. Yeah. In terms of not just working with digital um, and moving that forward, but also just the, their procedures, their laws, everything seems, it's the opposite of what I'm experiencing. It's, it's so simplified and just straightforward yeah. and really progressive. It's it's kind of like it feels, Portugal's like that as well, and it feels a little bit similar, kind of um, just, obviously it's a much colder country, but yes. it feels like a similar vibe of a, of a place. Everybody's yeah. really friendly and... That's great. And, and, and they're the, welcoming yeah. somebody, you know, having a business oh, yeah. registered who lives somewhere else. Like they're fine with it. Of course they are. Of course yeah. they are. I mean, anybody in the world can actually apply to have their business, business registered in Estonia. I mean, yeah. obviously the, the the accountants and the um, that you work with, they will specialize in different things. So the one I've yeah. chosen to work with specializes in um, digital only. So they'll yeah. work with digital nomads, people that work freelance online, move around, yep. that kind of stuff, um, um, which is fine. I mean, at first I wasn't sure if it was going to work because I had a small amount of stuff through MadCloud, but I it wasn't worth risking losing a good opportunity no. to keep that going. Um, and that was one of, that was one of the things I had to drop. But other than that, that's it. Yeah. And I'm working with them and everything's, and it's fantastic. That's it was, great. it's good to have at least one positive bureaucratic experience. Yeah, come out of yeah this. it is. It is. I mean, the whole process was, I don't know if anybody's ever applied for a visa online to go say like India or something, you upload a photograph of your passport, you do all the details. So the border controller checking you digitally before mm-hmm. you've even done anything. Yeah. And so this was the same procedure for the e-residency. I mean, the e-residency doesn't give me residency in terms of tax It gives purposes. your business residency. It gives my business residency. It's quite an important distinction because yeah. a, a, a lot of people say, well, you've got residency, you can get, you know, you're safe within the year. Like, no, we're not. You know, me, my business is safe. We're not. Um, yeah. And so we did all this, applied online, and then we had to go to the um, embassy to give our fingerprints or yeah. my fingerprints and to sign, and that was it. And I got a, little, a nifty little USB card reader that's like the size of a digit, and it's and the, and an e-residency card, and that's, cool. that's the portal. Everything they do in the state is all it was all done through this. So that's I'm now awesome. got a portal to their state, and everything I need to do if I need to sign documents, all the documents, I just you go can in, just do it with a USB I just drive. do it a pin, and 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 yeah, and it's done. That's and it's just great. like it's fantastic. No well, like, paper. There's yeah, no paper speaking as <laughs> like oh god, <laughs> doing the LLC, I'm like. Meh. <laughs> I'm like I'm gonna get it done, um, but like it's just there's just paperwork and there's like I have to designate somebody as an agent and like I need a lawyer to look over it and it's just complicated. No, it's no, it's it's been. I mean, I'm the topic, I'm just a sole um, director of the company yeah. and I am the only employee as well, so I've got a very simple kind of um, limited yeah. company. Well, see, but it's, it's just been incredibly straightforward. Yeah, the LLC is going to be the same thing basically. Like I'm going to be still the owner and the you know only employee but it's just a matter of of like tax liability will be different yes exactly and also if something happens to your business it doesn't happen to you or vice versa yeah like they couldn't you know take my my private assets they could only take the business assets exactly somebody like for like for some reason sued me over a knitting pattern i don't know (laughs) (laughs) mostly it's just so that like the tax stuff is clear because right now it's kind of horrible 
I'm, I'm absolutely fine paying my taxes. I think that, you know, what I pay my taxes for is very important. But um, but like we're double income, no children and self-employed. Like it's insane how much tax we pay. So I'm just trying to simplify it a little bit by making the LLC so that the business can pay its own taxes. Yeah. And we can get a refund. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I think, I mean, I would have probably separated myself from my business sooner, just that, you know, I had things I had to finish off in the UK yeah, and things yeah, that, yeah. you know, and so, but now I'm doing it. It's just fantastic. And of course, if worse happens to worse with Brexit and we're in a situation, at least our income is secure, yes. which is, the, that, that's the whole point of doing this is, yep. I, I mean, I, wanna, I wasn't going to incorporate in Italy because I just, you know, I value my sanity too much and I just kind of, I wasn't going to do it. I've seen my friends do it and it just, it's, it's. No, it sounds like it would be crazy, crazy incorporating in Italy. It is. I mean, the Italians are no, are just, it's too much for them. And this is a law system they've, they've known from day dot. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It was just kind of- and you'd, you'd just come up against a bunch of things that didn't make any sense that you'd need, yeah. you know, somebody who was versed in Italian law to help you understand, which means another expensive oh, lawyer. Uh, everybody uses a commercialista. Everybody uses an accountant, basically. Yeah. Nobody files their tax returns on their own. If they do, they normally run a risk of something being really wrong because yeah. Italian law is that complicated. That's crazy. Um, it, it is. I mean, with, I, I mean, Moving our residency there, I'd still have to file my income, but it would be an income for a foreign company, so I yeah. wouldn't have to register self self employed, which is yeah. the saves a lot of a mess. And yeah. we'd still have a commercialista, but it would be a lot easier yeah. um, to do it that way. So it's I mean it's it's actually turned out to be a really good thing. I'm actually gonna be earning the currency that I mostly use. That's good. And, you know, yeah. And so I'm not gonna be losing money in the devaluation of sterling, which is not gonna yes. improve it. Oh, so. God, I didn't even think about that, about the whole, like, <laughs> exchanging, you know, cause, because you're living, you're still living in the EU, so you would be spending money that is, you know, like, euro-based. Yeah. So being able to make your money as euros means you don't have to, like, exchange well, anything bad. and be yes. at the at the whims of exchange rates. Oh, yes. God. I mean, because currently I'm earning in... Well, basically, my portals are. I've got one in US dollars and ravelry, and I'm I'm, yeah. I'm, my, I'm primarily sterling when I'm teaching and that kind of stuff. Yeah, it all comes in, it gets fertile, goes out in euros. But because um, sterling dropped a huge amount after, yes. immediately after the referendum, and it's not uh-huh. recovering, um, our cost of living went up twenty percent. Oh God, I didn't even think about it. Um, and we were doing quite well before then because the the pound had been strong for a while. Yeah. So you know it's swung back the other way now. I mean, um, but it's 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 kind of like it's, I'm not going to have to worry about that anymore. I'm just going to be earning in the currency That's I live in. Going to be nice. It's going to be really nice. It is going to be lovely. So that we're going to be better off probably just just from that. I mean, I've got to pay accountancy fees once a month, but that's going to be that's going to be covered by what we'll be saving by not crossing financial yeah. borders. Um, so it's going to balance out. We'll pay a little bit more tax because the tax system is different in Italy. But again, I think we're still yeah, going to because you're you're still you're an external corporation. You're you're a business for another country. Well, it's also I mean in the UK they have thresholds. So if you okay. earn below eleven thousand pounds, you don't pay tax. Okay. Yeah. In Italy, they don't have any thresholds. So you know we've we've not don't go much above the, the the threshold. So our tax is going to jump quite a bit. But again, I think it's still going to balance out by the fact that we're not crossing. That you're saving. Yeah. yeah that, from exchange fees and you know and not being at the at the risk or at the whims of international yes, markets, exactly. which is actually costing us a lot right yeah. now. Yeah. So, I mean, it swings both ways to say there are times when we'd be better off. But right yeah. now, I'm actually just kind of liking the idea of it just being stable for a little while. Right? Just something that you don't have to worry about? Yes, it would like, be nice. You don't have to worry about when you cash out your money from Ravel, you know, from PayPal or whatever, yeah. from Ravelry pattern sales, based on what the exchange rate is today. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. oh, God. <laughs> 
yeah it's it's gonna be it's gonna be so good um yeah. so yeah that's that's a really and I'm actually really enjoying it I'm really enjoying the process and I've never wanted to have a business for the sake of having a business I've always wanted to kind of I've never wanted it to be a serious thing I never wanted yeah, to get you to just want to create and yeah, you, exactly. you know it's nice and, it's nice to get paid for things you create but yeah. yeah the creation is the is the important part and I'm also not keen on being I mean you know I'll, I'll pay my taxes I know that I value them what they're for but I, I'm not yeah. keen on being part of the system bureaucratically so yes. or bureaucratically rather it's just yeah. kind of it's just I think you know I think a lot of things are more complicated than they need to be but you know this is probably why I'm enjoying yeah. the Estonian thing because it's not because uh, they made it so simple yes they made it so simple and it just feels like I'm so doing this in the right place at the right time this is just the right fit for me it's fantastic and, well and you know plus you get to go to Estonia for and, a couple no, of days to sign I'm, stuff I'm, like no. <laughs> poor Tom going to look at the museums for two days <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> That's awesome. So uh, you're going to give some patterns away for us. Yes, absolutely. Some ebooks, collections of patterns. Excellent. So I can put um, Lateralis on the table, which is the new collection. Um, the which fantastic- I'm super excited about. Yes, yeah, <laughs> sideways, but not short rows, but with short rows because I can. <laughs> yeah, uh, for, for pretty short rows for pretty. pretty. Um, and also Elemental, which I know is is another collection that's it, it uses short short row color work in a not dissimilar way to lateralis so that's that can go on the table too awesome. absolutely yeah so you will be making you know crazy amounts of hats for yes. if you win this they're addictive like candy and you just want to keep making them and there's only one of them and uh, short road color work is addictive anyway when you discover other ways to make it. hats and you sit and dive in you go wow and you make yeah. one and you only have to make one that's like what's special about hats and and, and then you can go on and try another one and and you can see your journey of learning and your knitting I love yes, it I, I love, love that I love yeah. well you know and I think it's really important to challenge yourself with your knitting it's really easy to get into a rut of like you know I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do this like I'm making scarves you know <laughs> like but uh, I think it's really important to choose patterns that challenge you so that you can keep expanding your mind and keep your brain working yes yes for me it's you know I've got this whole like family history of Alzheimer's so I'm like keep my brain working <laughs> keep it working hard I know I, I've got I've got Alzheimer's on one side and and um dementia on the other and it's just oh. kind of like I'm just like yeah keep my brain Damned going if you do. yeah exactly so it's good brain gym is good yes I'm also trying to learn French right now so oh <laughs> no it's not bad it's um you know I yeah it's it's good I'm using Duolingo and yeah. learning French Mm-hmm. So just every morning with my coffee, I'm like, you know, screaming at your people phone. are rich and calm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for having this conversation with me. I hope that everything by the time this is coming out would be sorted. But, you know, that's a pipe dream. But well, I'm, if I'm, I'm I, my, my end game is residency by um, October. Okay. If, we, so, if, if it's going to be a thing, I'm, as soon as I've got two months wage slips from the business, I'm putting in for ap- application. <laughs> good, good, good. Excellent. Well, fingers crossed for you guys. Thank you. And thank you for having me on and chatting. I've enjoyed myself. Yeah, no problem. Thank you again. Thanks a lot there, Miriam. Please check out the show notes to enter the drawing for those two fantastic ebooks full of beautiful hat patterns. You can find that at yarnstoriespodcast.com. And I'm sorry, I forgot to ask Wooly the question, the season two question of what she would be reincarnated as. Uh, it, the conversation was going so well that I just missed it. <laughs>
You can follow me in all of my making at Miriam Felton Knit Designs on Facebook and on Twitter or Instagram as MimKnits. That's M-I-M-K-N-I-T-S. Thank you forever and ever to the patrons who keep this podcast paid for. The address for the Patreon, if you'd like to join, is patreon.com slash Miriam Felton. You can follow the podcast on social media via Facebook. Search for Yarn Stories Podcast with no space between yarn and stories. Twitter at Yarn Stories Pod or Instagram at Yarn Stories Podcast. This podcast was produced in Salt Lake City, Utah with production help from Sid Fallon. Music is by the ever-elusive Breakmaster Cylinder. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back next time to talk to Ann Weil about her newest book. See you in two weeks. Hey, babe. Hi. What you doing in the closet?